0: Well, once again, good morning. Good morning. It's so wonderful to see you this morning. This morning, I'm wearing a brand new, never been worn before tie. I actually had to cut the the tag off that was uh, in the back so that it didn't dangle. So here it is, you'll have a chance to see it at uh, donut and coffee time. Uh, this was given to me, uh, by one of you, uh, actually he's not here, Earl, uh, McDaniel, uh, McDonald. McDaniel. McDaniel. I always, it's a mix something. Anyway, I know Earl when I see him, uh, but, uh, he gave, this, this is a tie that he and, and Mary Ann gave me some time ago. And it's the first time I've worn it. And it really is a very beautiful tie. It's got the Bethlehem business on it. You'll see it when you look up close in uh, Shirley's song this morning, which is why I wore this one today as opposed to another day uh, because I knew it would fit in uh, to what we're doing. I love to wear the things of Christmas during this month. When I go around... Uh, I'm pretty much at advertisement most of the time. Uh, you'll notice all month the, the Pell pins I've changed a little bit. Uh, I've got this pin up here that says, wise men still seek him. Think about that. You know, that's kind of a, and I've actually had people ask me, well, what what does that mean? I know about the wise men and the camels and all of that stuff. Wise men still seek him. Is that an avenue? Is that an opportunity to say something? I I think it is. I've I've used it upon occasion. Anyway, there we are. Today is the third Sunday of Advent. In the we call that the Joy Sunday, uh, or the Joy Candle will be lit lit today. What's the other name for it? Surely. You can't remember. Probably the Bethlehem Candle. Yes. That's why we sang "O oh, Little Town of Bethlehem." So I, I put two and two together and got six and you know how that works. So there we are. But this idea of Advent and actually Advent is celebrated actually in the home. It doesn't have to be celebrated at church. We can do a lot of other things at church. But, but I thought this year, uh, instead of doing a full Christmas message every Sunday, which I did last year, that I would uh, do the Advent here for you, and you might want to transfer that to something you do and celebrate with your family at home, uh, each Sunday of the month, coming up to, uh, Christmas, and it's the four Sundays prior to Christmas, uh, those are the Advent Sundays, and then the following, you know, wherever Sunday lasts, and if Sunday happens, or if Christmas happens to be the fourth Sunday, well then you'll see how that works. Anyway, there it is. It's an opportunity for you to what? To take a few minutes and set it aside and focus upon, let me, I'll think of him in a minute. Oh, oh yeah, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's just something that we can do. I can't see Shirley. And that, oh, you better believe. And it's going to be tough today because you're all over there and, and, she, and I have this, I have this problem. Uh, of looking to the left. And so I don't know. If I stand this way for the rest of the time, it's not because I don't love you anymore. Uh, it's that I'm trying to correct this, this flaw I have in my ability to share. So, and it also gives me clear view of what she does with her hands. And then we're all set. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Anyway, Advent is an opportunity for us to set aside you know, turn the TV off and we don't have to worry about impeachment anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. We can talk about other things like the wonderful gift uh, that is given to us. The gift of gifts. And of course, the gift of gifts is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And that's what Advent's about, of course. Uh, and so that's what we're doing uh, today. Okay, now this is the third Sunday and it's the Advent of Joy and we want to talk about joy today. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east. Gentiles shall come, Gentiles shall come, uh, to thy light and kings to the brightness of thy rising. Isaiah chapter 60. So we have Gentiles coming. These kings are who knows what religion, whatever they might be. Uh, they're never really described for us anywhere. Uh, there's speculation as to what they might have been, but we don't know what they are. Uh, we know that they are some kind of scholars that come from east of where Jerusalem is. It says that. We got that part. So where does that put them? And you can work on that uh, as you know your geography. And the wise men came before Herod saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we've seen his star in the east and have come To worship him. Matthew chapter 2. And here again. Where did they come? They came to Herod. Why did they come to Herod? Because that's where the king's palace is. We come to worship the king. He says. Where is he who has been born? King of the Jews. And of course that blows Herod's mind. Doesn't it? We understand. We understand that. Uh, We're not going to dwell on that too much. For we have seen his star in the east. And have come to worship him. we have found uh, there's a controversy as to when the star appeared. Did the star appear at Jesus' birth? And many believe that the star did appear at Jesus' birth. So on Christmas morning, uh, 3 o'clock in the morning or whatever time it was, it was in the, it was in the dark of night, we know that much, uh, the star appeared. Because the sun is now born, isn't he? The sun has been given. And so the star appears. Because they they saw the star. It's the star that got them to make the trip. And then they had to put together the trip. And they had to make the trip. And, and so on. Which does not ever get us, the wise men, to the stable in Bethlehem. And we'll do that in another message on another day. So... Well, I'm not going to go there today, but but there it is. I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and the scepter shall rise out of Israel. Numbers chapter 24. And that speaks to me of the verse that we learn in the New Testament. It says, when in the fullness of time, God sent forth his Son. Now, when's the fullness of time? Fullness of time is God's choice, just as God has determined when Jesus will come again. We didn't know that he was coming when he came, although it's been foretold. The only person that really know that knew, and there was probably some doubt in her mind, was Mary and Joseph. And he, there was a lot of doubt going on in his mind, I'm sure. He had the angel come in the... In, in his dream, and spoke to him, and he took action upon that. But there's got to be, uh, uh, you know how that can be. So, uh, did, did we get that on tape? Uh, I like that sound; it works well. Okay, <laughs> quoting from the prophet Micah's writing around 70 BC, chief priests and scribes told the king Herod that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. So Herod secretly called the wise men and asked them uh, what time the star appeared and sent them under a pretense saying. Now there is really one of the key ideas that tells us uh, when that star would have appeared. Because he wanted to know when the star appeared, meaning that was the signal of the birth, and then he would be able to do some date setting. Well, you saw the star appeared, on the 14th of September. And how long did it take you to put your caravan together? And how long did it take to get here? And so that's how old the kid is. So I kind of have a target. You know, I'm I'm working out a profile. So that I can go and worship him. I mean, that's what he said. So there we are. You got the idea. Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you found him, bring me word again that I may come and... And worship him also. That's Herod speaking. Matthew chapter 2. Joy. And he's even speaking of the joy. Even though we know it's a lie. But they're speaking of the joy. The wise men have come. At some great expense. And at some great discomfort. Traveling in that day is. I mean it's even worse. Than flying on an airplane. With your knees in your mouth. You know how that is. But his real intention, of course, was to slay the child. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they came into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And of course, here again, that's Matthew chapter 2. Now, the word child in that verse is not the same word that's used in the Greek. Uh, for the infant. There's an infant and then there's a child, which indicates a passage of time. So Jesus has grown a few months, perhaps a year. Uh, could be, it could be any, any time like that, even two years. Some believe that the wise men didn't make it until around Jesus' second birthday. And we wonder, well, did he have chocolate cake or did he have well, we don't know that either. And if you ever see a movie that tells you that, well, it was marble cake, I love marble cake. Surely doesn't care too much for it, but I love marble cake. And so I like to think he had marble cake for his second birthday. Kind of, you know, the vanilla and the chocolate and it goes goes together. <laughs> well, I know what I get for my birthday. And I get the most wonderful, beautiful banana cake with whipped cream frosting. That's just traditional. Shirley makes about eight of those a year because that's the official birthday cake in the Hubbler household. He gets one. The other boys get one. My daughter gets one. My daughter-in-law gets one. We even do them for the babies. Uh, yeah. Of course, but the girls, the girl, Rob's girls are born right in that time. August is cake month. There's like five cakes to be done in August. And we're on vacation part of that time. Well, I digress. Shame on me. Yes, you do. Okay. I call my son out of Egypt. And, of course, that is in regards to an angel comes to Joseph and tells him, you got to take the baby and skip town because Herod's looking for you. Okay, that's my paraphrase of the scripture, but you can read that in Matthew as well. And so he does that, and they dwell there for some period of time until the point that we all know that Herod finally dies, and so an angel speaks to Joe Joseph, sorry, uh, speaks to Joseph, and says you can go home now. And so it, and so back they come, in order that the prophecy could be fulfilled, Hosea uh, chapter. 11 I called my son out of Egypt and his king shall be higher his kingdom shall be exalted God brought forth brought him forth out of Egypt and that's numbers and that's prophecy and that's the joy that's the joy that's given and when you go back and you think in terms of of the angels coming to the shepherds and the shepherds indicating uh, that I bring you tidings of what? Great joy, the scripture says. Great joy is brought to you. I know you're scared to death. I mean, look at us and and we're just a frightening sight. It isn't that we're ugly, but you kind of don't know what's going on. And I'm telling you, I we're here to give you joy. And we're going to talk about uh, that joy today. Because this third candle that we're going to burn uh, is the joy candle. And so as I move over here, in fact, there's a special prayer. And I, I really want to read it to you, uh, if I can find it again, uh, that speaks to that third candle. Uh, listen to what has been written. I don't know who wrote it. It doesn't make any difference. Here's the prayer. Third Sunday of Advent. Leader says what? God, the Father of light, bless this Advent candle. This is a time for caring and sharing, a time for smiling and singing, a time for rejoicing in life itself. Let us open our hearts fully to others. Let our faces radiate the joy of your coming so that everyone we meet will know of you and the gift of life you bring, Jesus our Lord, we rejoice in your coming. Amen. What a prayer. Joy. It's a joyful time. And we have a joyful season. You know, ho ho ho, and all of that stuff goes on. And it's it's the signaling of joy. Now we've secularized it. You know, we've messed it up. Uh, but nevertheless, there it is. And we want to unmess it. Unmess it? Ooh, I think I just invented a term. Uh, shame on me. So, I'm going to light the candles. And we're, this is the hope candle. How do I know? Because it's the shortest one. It's burned through a service twice already. And it's reluctant to burn again. This is the... Now what do I do? Um, there we go. Uh, that's the peace candle. Jesus came to do, give you peace, right? I come to provide you peace, Jesus said. And that's the peace candle that we talked about that last week. And today is the joy candle that I didn't pre-light. So it might take a moment. You want it's a short match. Let's it. Come on. <laughs> How's that for timing? Just before it took the hair off of my fingernails. Very good. <clears throat> Jesus brought the light. Now, if we were to turn all the lights off in here, we could see that these three candles don't provide the full picture they don't provide us really with enough light to function properly and if we were doing this in the evening you know big deal nobody's going to be reading anything uh, unless they're like right here where I am <clears throat> next week is the is the is the candle of love and then of course it's all of these candles are surrounded by the Jesus candle which is in the center the Christ candle Christ candle is the center because the Christ center Christ candle provides the hope the Christ candle provides the peace the Christ candle provides the joy and it's all encompassed by the love that we're going to be talking about next week now I'm going to light this candle next week and this is a point where I will tell you what we're going to do the following week, and that's the 29th of, uh, 29th of December? Right. I've been toying with what to do. And what we're going to do is we're going to do a, a quick review of the Advent candles and show how these candles lead to what we always do on the last Sunday of the month, and that's have communion. So what you'll see uh, on that last Sunday, you'll see the table set the way it is now. The candles, uh, will be forward and the communion will be in the back because this occurs in order that the communion can happen. And once I, once again, this occurs. This is a representation of what? This is a representation of Christmas. So the coming has to occur in order for us to remember what do we remember for the at the Lord's supper the going the giving and so uh i think that'll be a very a significant message and if if uh you could possibly be here for that last message i think uh you'll find that very uh, meaningful for you so the advent candles are a bit lit hope peace today It's joy. Today it's joy. So we rejoice. And I think we sing joy to the world at the end of this. This isn't surely so clever. I just, where am I? There we go. Okay. When on earth Christ Jesus knew the fullness of joy. And the scripture tells us. Repeatedly our Lord spoke of joy. He experienced fullness of joy, and He desired the disciples to experience the fullness of joy as well. And there's several verses that I want to, uh, read for you. I actually wrote them down. And we'll start with, we'll start with a verse that most of us know very well, and that's Galatians chapter 5 verse 22, because it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, it says, is uh, love, comma, joy. Oh, that's the word, isn't it? Peace. We got that one. Long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. That's the passage. Some of us have memorized that passage. It's a wonderful passage. I personally believe that going back into verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. And everything that follows on those two verses is a manifestation of love. Without love, we really can't manifest real joy. We can't manifest uh, real peace, long-suffering, gentleness, and so on. It's love that's the motivator. God so loved the world, John 3.16, that he gave. The gave was a motivation or an outpouring of love. When we give, it's an outpouring of what? Of love. Be it a Christmas card that we send or the Christmas gift. And I'm talking now about how we celebrate Christmas. Uh, it's love. It's a manifestation of the love, the feelings we have. Uh, one for another. God so loved the world. That he gave. That he gave. Because of his love. He gave. And so. Uh, that's. Uh, Galatians. Now back to John. And there's a couple of verses in John. That I want to. Share with you. That speak in terms. Now I got all the way back into the Old Testament. Matthew. Luke. What comes after Luke? John. There it is, John. John chapter 15 and verse 11 talks about that joy as well. Well, this is all being recorded. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Verse 11. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you. That's red letter stuff. That's Jesus speaking that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. That's Jesus talking. And guess what? That's upper room stuff. That is what he is saying just before he goes out into the Garden of Gethsemane, just before he gets arrested, just before he goes on seven mock trials, just before he gets beaten half unto death, just before. You got the picture. He says, your joy will be full. That my joy might remain in you. And that your joy might be full. Galatians chapter, or pardon me, John chapter 16 reads this way. Verse 22, and you now therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again and your heart shall rejoice. And your joy, no man takes from you. Your joy, no man takes from you. Now we can be joy in the flesh. And if all of a sudden our back hurts, or we stub our toe, or we stick our finger in the door, or we lose our joy very rapidly, don't we? but it's my joy my joy will be with you and no one can take that away and there's another by the way that's a good proof verse for uh for not losing your salvation uh, going on verse that was verse 22 uh verse 23 and in that in that day you shall ask me nothing verily i say unto you whatsoever you ask of the father in my name he will give you Hitherto, have you asked nothing in my name? Ask and you shall receive. Here it comes. That your joy may be full. That your joy. And the your joy is my joy, saith the Lord. Your joy is my joy. It's the my joy that I want you to have. Chapter 17, verse 13 says this. And now I come to thee. For those things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. That they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. And we are the messengers of the joy. And at this time of year, so here's a commercial for the stuff again, here's, here's the word. Here's, here's the meditations that have been written for you to help you to do what? To share the joy of the Lord Jesus Christ in order that His joy can become, His, your joy, and now that joy can become their joy. And Unlike our bank accounts, I can give you a very expensive present and then I don't know how I'm going to make my house payment. But I can give as much joy as there is to give and my joy is still full. Okay? There's no physical explanation for that, is there? But there it is. My joy is full. The love that I give doesn't diminish the love that I have. God has given me an unlimited resource, and that unlimited resource is love. And then as I said with the Galatians verse, that that love is manifested how? Joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, and all of those wonderful things. All of that is a manifestation of the love that God gives us, a love that we don't truly understand. I mean, we still question, and I'm sure all of us still question, how can God possibly love me? Think about it. How can God possibly love me? It's unfathomable. Ooh, I'm not even going to try to say that word again. We can't figure it out. But that's how much He loves. That's the depth of His love. We can't measure it. It's the pit with no bottom, you know, the bottomless hole, whatever, whatever we want to call it. The Grand Canyon Plus. It just goes on and it goes on and on and on forever. Christ knew the fullness of joy and He wanted that fullness of joy to be ours. I oh, was someplace, oh, the sources of Jesus' joy. Here we go. The sources of His joy. Jesus spoke repeatedly concerning His joy. Jesus experienced the joy of knowing God as a loving Father. Think about that. Think about, think about all of the prayers you've read, all of the conversations that Jesus shares with us uh, from His Word uh, with the Father. Read the prayer that He prays to the Father in Gethsemane. That's just a couple of pages past where I was reading. That prayer is absolutely musically, poetically magnificent in describing the love of God. God, or Jesus speaking to God. Jesus experienced the joy of knowing God As a loving father. Jesus knew the joy. Of being in perfect harmony. With God's will. Jesus in Gethsemane said. In the flesh. (laughs) I just as soon not do tomorrow. There we go my paraphrase again. However. And that brings us back to the point. However. It's not my will. But thine be done. Not my will. But thine be done. Perfect harmony with God's will. Jesus experienced the joy of being a giver. Jesus declared that the greatest joy comes to people who give rather than people who take. God blesses the giver, the scripture tells us. Are you a giver? Is God blessing you? Are you blessed in that which you are able to give? That you are willing to, not just able, but willing to give. How many of us are able, but not willing? How many of us are not willing to stand up in just a simple phrase? And it it costs, it costs you. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. We can memorize those words. John chapter 10, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And then wait for the response. What have I just done? I have opened myself up and I am willing and able now to share with you the very love, the very hope, the very peace, the very joy that, God has given to us in the giving of his Son. Jesus experienced joy because of his faith in the goodness and the power of his Father. Jesus, who was at Genesis chapter one, the easiest way to put it, and before that, because God is pre existent, and God he set all of that aside. He took off the robe, he took off, he set down the scepter, he took off the crown, and he became a very poor physical baby, where he had to rely upon the care of others, Mary and Joseph, and, and where's my next meal coming from, and where are we going to live tomorrow, and the bad guys are going to get us, and... And all of that stuff. He had to endure the things of the flesh. Why did he do that? For God so loved the world. That he sent his son. The son that was willing to do that. For what? In order that our joy might be full, In order that we might have that love that passeth all understanding. Jesus experienced the joy of helping others. Jesus lived in the joy of knowing about the heavenly home and that and what awaits us. And do you know that? And if you know that, do the people that you that you come in relationship with, do they know that? Should they know that? If you have the cure for cancer, are you willing to give it? I can do better than that. I can do better than giving you the magic pill that cures cancer. Because I have the plan of eternal salvation. I have the magic elixir for death. You will never die if you take upon yourself the love and the joy that Jesus offers you so very freely. God desires joy for you. That's what he wants. And I read the verses. That your joy may be full. I do this in order that your joy might be full. Know my joy in order that your joy will be full. Over and over and over again. Be not afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings, of great, good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Luke chapter 2, verse 10. What's that? That's to the shepherds. To the shepherds. That's the purpose. Joy. Love and joy is visiting you this very, very moment. We can have joy in knowing God as our Heavenly Father. God the Father is greater and better than all of the other gifts to us. The Holy Spirit leads us to look up and to pray to the Eternal Father as one, as our loving and gracious Heavenly Father. Our gracious and loving Heavenly Father. In our Bible study... I'll share a little piece. Jesus is the author of life. Jesus gave life. He gave physical life. He breathed the breath of life into the person of Adam. And then from Adam, the rest of us finally showed up. How's that for a genealogy? You know, stick the names in where you can. And there you are. But he's the author of the second life, if we can put it that way. He's also the author of of eternal life. In order for you to be reconciled to me, you can have second life if you accept my son. I sent my son in order to provide you with, there's, oh, I love those candles, they're working so well. Uh, you can have that life. I am the author of life, saith the Lord. The author of life. And that life that I breathed into the, uh, nostrils of Adam back in Genesis chapters 2 and 3 that's the life I wanted you to have and that is the life that would have lasted for all of eternity had not Adam done what he did. And we'll play with that another time. The author of life. And you and I because of our sin (coughs) have disavowed him. It's like your parents or your children telling you they hate you and they leave and never come back again. Disavow you. You who gave them the very breath that they breathe through the biological process. Fed them and clothed them and all of that. You got the idea. And that's what you've done to God by sinning. Separating yourself from him. And he's provided you because of that love. Like the prodigal son, uh, the story. The son takes the inheritance and goes and blows it. Comes back on his hands and knees and says, let me be a slave in your household. And the father says, no, no, get out of here. No. The father welcomes him back. Welcomes him back not as a slave. Full sonship. Full sonship. That prodigal son is you and me. That prodigal son is the sinner. That's what this parable is about. That prodigal son is you who have wasted the life that God has intended for you in your life of sin. And we're really talking to the people out there that we come and say God loves you. God loves you in spite of anything you've done in spite of anything that you've done God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life and will give you the hope the peace and the joy and next week we'll talk about the manifestation of love which goes back into the other three that we've already talked about The Holy Spirit gives us the joy of life that will not end by assuring us that the grave is not the goal of this life. And it isn't. That's not the goal of this life. It's the end of the physical life. That's all. Now I'm going to spend an eternity where? I'm going to spend an eternity with God for all of eternity. We don't understand the word eternity. It's not a physical word. There's nothing that lasts forever. Mountains crumble. Buildings crumble. This building has been, been here for hundreds and hundreds of years and all of a sudden it's, it's falling down into rubble. Steel rusts. Everything disintegrates over time except the love of God. Accept your relationship to God when you have accepted this wonderful, wonderful gift that's mentioned to us during this season. This is such a magnificent season. Because even in the... <clears throat> I'm trying to think of a better word to use. Even in the way in which we've distorted the season. With all of the commercial things. And it has been distorted. And in some ways, the Christian message is muted. I mean, there was a year in which you couldn't even say Merry Christmas because there was that C-H-R-I-S-T in the message. So we have a t-shirt or a sweatshirt. Shirley, Shirley and I have sweatshirts. It says, it really is okay to say Merry Christmas so, Something like that. And it is. Merry Christmas. When I say Merry Christmas, let me tell you what the word Christmas means. There's a conversation beginning. Well, Do you know what the word Christmas means? Let me share with you what the word Christmas means. It's right here. Your love will be full. Your joy will be full. Because God loves you that much. God loves you that much. For God so loved the world that he gave up what? He gave his son, his only begotten son. That's supposed to get your attention. Think about that. Think about that. Put that into earthly terms because Jesus became an earthly being for that purpose to illustrate for you how much God the Father loves us. That's the joy. That's the hope. And that's the peace that passeth all understanding. For God so loved the world that the angels came to the shepherds and said, Hey, guess what? Peace has arrived, that your joy might be full. Let's pray. Gracious, loving Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you this day, this very, very day, and ask you that you would strengthen our resolve to do exactly what you've asked of us, and that's to share that love with others. And we do thank you now, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. On page 87, 1, 3, and 4, Joy to the World.